0: Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Happy New Year. Happy 2023 to you. Uh, my name's Michael Clayton. If you can't tell by the distressed jean jacket, I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, I don't know what it is with the way youth pastors dress. Save us. Um, so what I'm going to tell you in, in, in this morning... Uh, It's very simple. I'm going to give you the spark notes. If you grew up with spark notes, it's it's kind of the the quote unquote, the cheat code of what we're talking about today. The main focus today is very simple, but very profound. And it's not because I'm preaching it. (laughs) Come on. It's not because I'm preaching it. It's because of the biblical principle behind prayer. Um, And one of the things I thought of while praying and and really kind of uh, talking through this message was a story that uh, even I forgot my own family actually did not know this story. Uh, So I'm going to take you a little bit behind the curtain here. So. I grew up um, a pastor's kid here. Uh, And uh, yes, I know pastor's kids can be a piece of work. Uh, So, (laughs) I I mean, it's my own. I I know we can. So here's what would happen that maybe some of you all have never known. So during Christmas time, a lot of times people would uh, give my parents, um, you know, gifts or food. Uh, Popcorn. My favorite was Revelation Jesus. Because for years I thought it was Poseidon. Uh, And so I was like, hey, look at Poseidon. My dad's like, not quite. Uh, So they would give him gifts and food. Food's most popular. And and for as long as I could imagine, um, a lot of people would bring their own food and gifts. And my parents have always uh, tried and ate the food. And is is half the reason why one year they actually requested uh, that people not bring them food. Because they kept gaining weight from all the food they were eating. What you haven't known is I and the other person eating the food. Uh, so when I left the church, went off to college, was a pastor elsewhere. One of the things I missed was, <laughs> was the Christmas food. Because uh, that's what I would eat. I would just snack on it all the time. One year in particular, for a long time, uh, my dad would get uh, tamales. Now I'm going to give you some context because what's going to happen, uh, sadly this story I'm never going to be able to live down, uh, but what's going to happen is going to make sense for what it is. So the context is, my mom is half Italian. My dad grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. This is good context. Very important. Okay. Uh, Merle Haggard said it best. He said, Tex-Mex is not good north of Dallas or east of the Mississippi. And that's dead true. So my dad, my dad grew up in Greensboro. So, uh, you know, he really discovered Tex-Mex here. My mom grew up Italian. So I know Italian food. So every year we get tamales. So one time when no one else was home, and I was about 12 years old. Uh, I go and I get some of the tamales out of there and someone always wrote a scripture and kind of a note and and they put the tamales there. So I would grab the tamales, I put it on a plate, I heated it up. So they would have homemade salsa, which God bless you. Uh, So they have homemade salsa and I'd grab that and I'd be heating up the tamales. Now, with that, I was home and I just like started eating the tamales and they were, I'm going to be honest, they were (laughs) were terrible. Uh, And so (laughs) they're really bad. And I started putting salsa on it and I'm like, this is this is really bad. Uh, that's one of those, hey, how do you like tamales? And if I ever saw that person, I'd just be like, thank you uh, or bless God. So I tried them and they're awful and I didn't like them. A year later, a year later, we get tamales again. And uh, my dad is eating tamales. I watch and he just like cooks it and he unwraps it, puts salsa on it and starts eating. What he doesn't know is at that moment I'm staring at him watching the tamales and went, Oh, I know what went wrong. I ate it with the husk. I ate it with the husk, which I realize quite possibly be the most Caucasian moment of my life. Uh, so it, yeah, I, I have a friend. He's half... One of my closest friends in the world, he's a brother of I me, mean, he's, he's like half Dominican Mexican. He was howling the first time you he ever heard that. He's like, you ate it with the husk. I'm like, think, Italian food, pasta, manicotti, ravioli, I can eat the shell. I can eat the shell. We don't unwrap anything in Italian food. <laughs> you don't. So I just kind of put it there and I'm like cutting through it. And I'm like, why does this taste so... Awful. I'd rather get audited than eat a tamale with the husk on. <laughs> so I, I actually, I unwrapped it, tried a tamale without the husk. It was fantastic. It was great. I, I love eating tamales during Christmas time, but it was really rough. I didn't tell anyone for like more than a decade that it even happened. And what's awful is with the tamale thing, and you're eating with the husk, and it's terrible. Now, this might be a cheesy segue, but I believe it's very true. The Christian life without prayer is like eating tamales with a corn husk. You can try, but it's rough. (laughs) You You can try, but it's rough. And you might try for a bit. I doubt you'll come back. And you'll wonder what's wrong. You'll wonder what's wrong. This is awful. See, prayer is an essential part, an essential part of our life. It's, and here's the thing. It's probably the least requested position people want to volunteer for is, hey, I want to go pray. But I'll tell you this, of being behind the scenes for what in June will be 27 years, the secret sauce to this church is not because it's big and there's funding. That's, that's not true. It's because there's a lot of prayer you have never seen. There's a lot of prayer you've never seen. And I mean, I mean prayer. Really in-depth prayer. Constantly. One thing people actually don't believe, but it's very true. Uh, when we do yes cards and point of salvation is this church, there's always been people writing their name on yes cards. We actually pray for those. It's not a hand on the card, mm, bless them, and just kind of move on. It's, it's a it's by name. So we make a, a big deal out of that kind of stuff because we, we actually pray. We actually make an effort. We know it's a large church. We know uh, people have various feelings on sizes of churches. I understand that. I was a pastor in a small church. I'm a pastor in a big one. I understand people come with opinions. But know this, we pray for them anyways. And we love them anyways. And one of the things about this church that's been sweet, has protected us, has covered us, has sent us in the right direction, has really put God's voice into the leadership here to be in the right place at the right time, has really helped us during tough seasons, has been prayer. So much so, in three of the gospels... In three of the gospels, it shows something important. When the gospels pattern each other, it is really something we have to pay attention to. In Matthew 4 and Mark 1 and in Luke 4, it shows Jesus, before he started his ministry, before he started, he prayed. He, he didn't just now, it said he went into the desert for 40 days and nights, and there's fasting and temptation, and I can do a whole long theological series on that, but that's not for today. Well, the point is, he fasted, and fasting the Bible means to abstain from food. He wasn't eating, he wasn't just not eating, he was praying. Before Jesus performed a miracle, he prayed. Before he preached the gospel, all accounts after he fasted, it said he went and preached and then gathered his disciples, meeting Jesus didn't start his ministry until after he prayed. And yet, what is January all about? We're starting things, we're doing things, it's new diets. Trust me, I'm at the gym, it drives me crazy because there's a million people, they're gonna be there for two weeks and then they're gonna leave. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's true. And so people start new diets and new lifestyles and they start new patterns, and there's something that can be missing. We're so focused on the doing, and doing is good. But have we prayed? Have we prayed? If Jesus didn't start ministry without praying, Could it possibly be that there are things in our life we should not start until we pray about them? And here's the thing, what Jesus did after he prayed was really good. We can make good plans, we can have good intentions, but in prayer, it's bringing us between us and the Lord in communion. It's giving us relationships speaking to Him, the Holy Spirit alive within you, speaking to you, giving you word and wisdom on what to do, when to do it and how to do it, with who. And so prayer is essential, and yet it's overlooked. It's essential, and yet it's overlooked. So here's the thing, though. Because prayer in this topic, there's a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. And your your understanding of prayer could be very different from mine. could be different from the person you're sitting next to. So I want to make this application very, very simple. Something I think a lot of us have maybe heard. Even if you weren't a Christian, you've probably heard this. What I'm going to challenge us in this time, because you might hear prayer, and it might just be overwhelming to think, like, oh, how do I do that? start with something maybe you've heard before. Start with the Lord's Prayer. If you're a Catholic, you might have grown up with it as our Father. And that prayer, Jesus gives it to us to show how we should pray. He gives it to us to show how we should pray. And it is powerful. Now here's the thing about the Lord's Prayer. Let me address something in this room. There are a lot of backgrounds on this. You might have come from maybe a more liturgical background. The Lord's Prayer is something that's been repeated. Uh, maybe after, before, during a football game or during church and a service. It's something you've done in unison, maybe with a lot of people. Um, and so it's repetition. You have kind of can drone over it. it. It is something within you. I'm not taking shots towards it. I'm talking about backgrounds. That can be your background. A lot of times, um, Dr. Rutland, who came and spoke here Recently, he wrote a book about the Lord's Prayer. He talked about one time he had a conversation with a Jesuit priest. And sometimes those who have grown up Catholic have a difficult time with the Our Father, or the Lord's Prayer, because it's associated with punishment, repentance. You go and confess into the priest, and what do you have to do? Five Hail Marys and six Our Fathers. So it's a sense of our context of this prayer can either be something that we just repeat in saying in unison or maybe for you it's associated with uh, your mistakes and your own sin and something that you've had to do in ritual or maybe you just have no idea what it is but regardless of those contexts it doesn't mean that it's not powerful it doesn't mean that it doesn't have potency of something that's so powerful it literally lasts 21 seconds. 21 seconds. And yet Jesus says to disciples, When you pray, pray this way. When you pray, pray this way. So let's, let's go over that for a bit. In Matthew 6, Matthew 6, I'm gonna give some, some of the pre. This is uh, chapter 7, uh, verse 9a. It says, When you pray, this is Jesus speaking to disciples, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I'll preach. Uh, therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you this. I, I have it in King James up here because that's kind of the version I like here in my head and the one I'm used to. Uh, but if you read the, read the translation of the Bible, you understand. It, just to simplify that. I know people can get hooked up, can get really hooked on translations. Read the one that is understandable. Someone said, and he's a genius theologian, said the most powerful version of the Bible you read is the one that you actually read. (laughs) It's the one you actually read. So it says in um, chapter 6, verse 7, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For those that say trespassers, (laughs) trespassers, us, <laughs> right? And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So let's, let's break this down just a little bit. Our Father, great start. Puts us in what is the nature of the relationship between us and God. Jesus is telling the disciples, Father, that he is not just God. that we see him as Father? Start in heaven, hallowed, which means holy. Be your name. Thy kingdom come, that will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I love this because what it is is as you're praying, you're not just recognizing his place in your life as God our Father and that he is holy, but also you're submitting your will to him and saying, Your will be done. This is actually reflected when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went on the cross. He says that your will be done, not mine. And so when he's telling the disciples to pray, he said, pray that the Father's will be done. So already, very powerful and potent. It says it will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now we're going into a real practical side of how do we receive what we need for today. Lord, help me receive what I need for today. And then it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let me hang there just for a second. This one was rough for me because uh, many of you might have heard this, and maybe some of you haven't. Um, My my sister, when I was much younger, was engaged to a man that sadly was very abusive. And you know, I, I I was younger at this time, and the engagement broke off. Thank you, Lord. And there was a healing process that happened over a few years. One of the most difficult things at a younger age I had to come to was the fact that I hated that guy. I really did. He was in our home. And I looked up to him. And then figured out that he was the, the abuser. And it was, it was very hard to kind of come to that point of such strong passions and emotions. And one of the things that's interesting about forgiveness is that Jesus has given, has forgiven us. The cross, that's the point, puts us in relationship with the father that we are forgiven from our sins, that we receive forgiveness so freely. And what's interesting about the Christian life is one of the hardest things to do is to give what we have received, which is forgiveness. (laughs) Because a lot of times we're like, well, they don't deserve it. And can I speak here just ever so gently? We have to be very careful in what we deem people deserve or not when we have received something that we did not deserve. And it is one of the hardest things sometimes when people have obviously done wrong. And no one knows. And they walk through life and it seems like there's no ramifications for any of it. And yet, from a young age, I had to go before the Lord. And I'm like, I understand receiving forgiveness for my sins. I understand weeping for the altar and going to camps and conferences and and understanding I need forgiveness. But it surprised me recognizing now learn to forgive others. And in the middle of the same prayer, Jesus is not just saying receive forgiveness, but give forgiveness. And it is a... (laughs) It can be a test. And there are emotions you go through, but can you hear me here? If maybe you're dealing with this, bitterness is an awful cup to sip from. And it does not age well. And when you forgive people, you release them. You release them. Where they don't hang over you. And here's the thing: people think that forgiveness means that you're excusing their actions. You're not excusing their actions. The Lord knows what they've done. You're forgiving them saying, Father, I forgive them. They have no power over me in this mansion. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to move on and know that I can walk in freedom. Because if you have ever known people that, if you've ever known people that have not forgiven, do you know what it smells like? You know what it feels like? You know what it sounds like? bondage because it is and you shackle yourselves to things that feel like yesterday but could have been 10 years ago forgiveness right in the middle of the prayer forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors it's happening at the same time you're receiving forgiveness and you're showing forgiveness I'll be honest, it took me a while to forgive him. I was coming to know the Lord uh, at that time. I was newer in faith. It took me a little while. But once I was able to just say, Lord, you know what? You're good. You give me forgiveness. Help me forgive this person. He really did. He really did. I, act, I don't, you know, there will probably people fight me theologically on this, but I, I asked for help in forgiving him. I really did. I was like, help me. I know I should forgive him. I don't want to. Help me. And he really did. He really did. I have no malice towards that man. I feel sorry for what happened and that he was hurting. But I feel completely separated from that. And that's freedom. It's like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the gym. There's you have a squat bar. And you put it on and there's a lot of pressure. And uh, once you're done doing heavier weight and you put it back and it just you can immediately kind of just feel it. Your body just feels that the weight is off. That's, that's how it felt like internally. So if you don't mind throwing that up again, it says, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hmm. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I love the fact that it's saying, hey, recognizing there is a wicked and an evil world. But it's giving God the glory and saying he's going to protect you in the midst of this. Can I point this also out? Jesus is telling the disciples to pray this way. Do you know that he was perfect and spotless and sinless? So do you know this prayer was not for him? You know why I know that? Because he says, forgive us our debts. He had none. He had none. That he he, Jesus did not need forgiveness. He was the spotless lamb. He was God's son. He was perfection. He was sinless. So he literally gives us his prayer for us, for us. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And in so many ways, it's rich in how it positions us with the Father and what it's going through our day-to-day items and, and how we receive things from him. It is chock full of richness. And if this was the only thing you pray this year, there would still be power in it. There'd still be power in it. There's still power in it. The scriptures are true. And he taught us to pray in such a way. And I love that. But here's what I love about the Lord's prayer it's more powerful when it's personal. When it's personal, prayer, you might not understand a lot of things about prayer, but know this it's better when it's personal. You can copy and paste all you want, but when it is personal, when it is your child, when it is your spouse, when it is your feelings and your health, when it is your life, when it is someone you love and care about, when it's personal, you know your prayers are different. And so with the Lord's Prayer, can I ask you in this, make this personal. Because personal prayer is the difference. There's a story. um, This was a story shared at my last church. Uh, A lot of times they would teach people how to pray with this story. I loved it. I, I knew the application. I actually didn't know the, bat, the, the story itself. So there's a, there's a uh, in this small town, there's an associate pastor who just come in. And uh, a woman calls him because her dad is on his, on his deathbed and he's, he's soon to pass away. So this new associate pastor go, goes in. He says hi to the daughter and says, shows him to the room. And in the room, there's an older man. He's propped up on two pillows. And there's an empty chair sitting there in the room. And he goes into the room and uh, he says, hey, so I, I guess you knew I was coming. And the old man kind of makes it a, a little strange. And it was like, uh, yeah, sure, the empty chair, yeah. And asked him to close the door. The older gentleman who was in the bed then told this, this pastor, now I've never told anyone this, but um, I pray with that chair. Like, eh, what? so he prayed with that chair. And he proceeds to tell him, he said, growing up and going to church, when the pastor would talk about prayer, it always went over my head. I didn't know where to start or what to do. It just felt like it went over me. So I never did it for years. He said, I was talking to a close friend about four years ago. And he said, Joe, prayer is personal. Like a conversation between you and God, just like you're talking with me. I speak and you listen. Just like that. And he said, do this. He said, put a chair in your room. He said, and by faith, believe that Jesus is sitting in the chair. Now, scripturally, it says that he's actually with us always until the end of the age. It says in the end of, end of Matthew. So it's not, I know this sounds freaky. It's not freaky deaky. He's, he's with us. He so said, by faith, sit and believe that Jesus is sitting in the chair. And I want you to talk to him like you're talking to me. And the older man said that he, when he started doing it, he enjoyed it so much that he would do it a couple hours a day. Just... Handling prayer conversationally. He said, though, that he would close the door and make sure he did it in private because he didn't want his uh, daughter, in his words, sending him off to the funny farm. Uh, he didn't, he didn't want to freak her out. So he kind of kept it very private. And she never knew. So then <laughs> the associate pastor's like, oh. He's just kind of like, I've never heard that before. Sure. And he said, you want me to pray with him? Yeah. Pray with him. So the associate pastor prays for him. Two nights later. Two nights later, he gets a call. From the older man's daughter, she calls the pastor to tell him that he, uh, her father's passed away. And he said, Well, he, he passed away peacefully. He said, Yes. He said, She said that she went into the room and was about to go grocery shopping, and he cuts a dad joke and kissed her on her forehead, and she leaves to go to grocery. He said, When she comes back, she finds that he'd passed away. But then she added, She said, Peculiar thing though, when I went into the room, I saw that his head was leaned against the chair. With the Lord's Prayer, when you make it personal, it changes everything. Prayer might be something you felt like is confusing to you or complicated or anything. Why don't we start here? Why don't we start with the Lord's Prayer? Why don't we start with Jesus said, hey, pray this way. That covers so much of the aspects of life. Things that maybe we want to address or maybe not want to address. And when we make these things personal, they're powerful. So I want to do this. I know this is a bit different. For privacy's sake, if you bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to, and if you could put the scripture back up. I'm going to have you... Uh, repeat after me with, we're going to do this prayer together and, and let me encourage you in this you might have done this a million times you might have maybe done this the first time make it personal make it like this is a conversation of you and the Lord because it really is so I'll start and, and, and we can repeat so our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I ask you this, if we'll have uh, heads bowed and eyes still closed at this point, This moment, just for a sense of privacy. There are many in this room that maybe you've never come to know. Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that is not something a decision you made. Or maybe this is just a decision you've you've needed to make again. You've walked away. There is for reasons and circumstances, for things unknown or things known, you've walked away. Here's what I'm gonna do. We don't want to embarrass you, we're not gonna call you up to the front. This is not a show. This is a personal moment between you and the Lord. But if you raise your hand right now, we're going to pray together as a church, even if it's literally just one person. We will pray together as a church. And we will pray. And it says in Romans that you believe in your heart, confess it at your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, that you'll be saved. And so if that's you, if you'll shoot up your hand, just so we have an idea who we're talking to, just so we know who we're praying with as, as a church, so we can see these people. Thank you, Lord, for those hands. Thank you. And if you repeat after me as a church, say, dear God, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess to you as my Lord as my Savior, Someone the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. And I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Amen.